We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast, and we're going to do it. We're going to talk about Devin Booker trades to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Jack, what do you what do you think the what, what's the split when people hear that? Like me, if I was, I would roll my eyes. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Like the percentage of people who roll their eyes, or the percentage versus the percentage of people who are like, yes, Devin Booker. Like I'm excited, and it's real. Man, I don't know. I would say that it's probably closer to like, I I mean, there's so many different sex of Timberwolves fans. When you look at the people who, you know, just really want the best collection of talent that you can get here versus the people who, which is a good thing. Yeah. Which, which is, <laughs> which is fun and, and all in good and well. But I think then you also take into account the people who kind of understand a little bit more of the feasibility aspect of it. And you probably get somewhere in the range of like 30, 70, yeah. um, that he's coming, he's not coming. But I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact too, that you just have so many Timberwolves fans that, are kind of maybe not apathetic is the right word, but they just kind of expect the negative outcome. There's just a lot more pessimistic <laughs> in, in nature. No, exactly. Right, and like, right. and I, and I think that, that that probably is why, why you get more of like a, maybe like a 25, 75 or 30, 70. Right. But um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one for sure. That's uh, the voice of Jack Borman. Uh, Jack writes, if you're unfamiliar with him, he writes for SB nation at com, And he wrote a big, Fat uh, breakdown of Devin Booker's game uh, this week, Tuesday. When it come out Tuesday, Tuesday, yep. Um, and cool enough to come on the pod. So thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, um, I really liked your piece, and I would again recommend anybody listen to this. Go, go check it out at uh, at Candy Supis. Um, so it's like four. It's it's long, but it, it, it's it's <laughs> 40, a depth. Forty two hundred words. Yeah, <laughs> in all its glory for better um, or worse. It covered. I think it was. I, th- I like the way you approached it because I haven't written or done anything <laughs> on Devin Booker at all. Because I don't know. It's it's hard. You do, am I fueling a stupid fire? 
you know? Right. And that, that's what I always was kind of like wrestling with of like, okay, what, what is actually the feasibility of right. this? And I like the way you handled it is you, you really, it was about, the article was about basketball. It was about Devin Booker. Right. And, and you also included that he could be traded by the Timberwolves and it's relevant, like some stuff, whatever. Yeah. And, and, and that was kind of the basis of it where, you know, I think you said something about when you tweeted about it, like we haven't seen the Timberwolves play in <laughs> yeah. like four and a half months and we're not going to see the Timberwolves play for another four and a half months. I God, mean, unless this sucks. delete eight thing happens, but, but like we're, we're at the point where you get some sort of lifeline for me and Begley where he throws it out there and the rumblings yeah. kind of start happening and you get people talking about it and people saying, Oh, kind of, what do you, what do you think about this? And it just got me thinking, you know, I, I know like as somebody that, has a somewhat un- good understanding of kind of trades and the way things work and, and how feasible something is or isn't um, kind of the, the workings and machinations of it. Um, just knowing that it's not very realistic. So if I want to make sure that, that this is something that I want to put out there to stress, this is not something that is, that is going to happen, that is likely going to happen. And, but- and so how can I, how can I adjust what I'm doing? Right. And, and I, I thought the logical solution to that was, okay, let's just focus more on Devin Booker, the basketball player. Because you can go anywhere and find whatever you want to see about, you know, Devin Booker to the Wolves and all these rumors, like whatever. That's still so far out. Even if it might happen, it's still right. so far out where, um, yeah, I just wanted to learn more about Devin Booker, the well, player. Well, it's like, who, who, I mean, when's the last time anybody watched Devin Booker play? You know, like, yeah, it, like, I, I haven't, I don't, I mean, I haven't watched a Suns game maybe, in, in forever. Yeah, like, maybe. I mean, if I finish my homework, like, <laughs> and like, yeah, like one o'clock in the morning yeah. on the East Coast, um, and you know, like the remnants of like a Pelican Suns game is right, on, and right, like the right. Suns are down like 15 with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, and Devin yeah. Booker's just like going to work. But other than that, like, yeah, like they're not on TV much. I mean, the West Coast thing is tough, obviously, but well, yeah. And, and it's also like, I think a real struggle, like even for for a team, but for me, like a, a team that I watch all the time, um, cover it, it's it's hard to assess defense, like particularly, like right. I don't I don't feel even right now like, I don't feel that I have a good understanding of how good D'Angelo Russell is at defense. Obviously, there's the labels out there, and I don't I wouldn't grade him out particularly high, right? But it's so it's so different to watch somebody play every game and like come to understand, Oh, these are the things they struggle with. These are the things they're actually okay with. And, and watch it through a different lens. Yes. Cause I think it's really easy for, for probably both of us to, to watch a Timber or not a Timberwolves game, but watch like any NBA game that's on like Lakers, Clippers or sure. Bucks, whatever teams that are on ESPN all the time that you have an opportunity to see all the time. You're more watching it. Like that just, just LeBron or Giannis or Kawhi, they all just jump off the screen. They're all just so good. And, you, and you're more just you're appreciating the like basketball of it. You're not Landry looking Shamit, like what he's doing. Yeah. Like what, what's his footwork like when he's coming <laughs> yeah. off a screen or something like that? Like you're you not have to doing rewatch that. it. You have to, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe an actual basketball coach is, is picking up on their brains, processing all that. But you got to teach yourself how to, how do I laser in on, on what he's doing and evaluate kind of in your own personal opinion, be confident in it. Like, this is what I see. This is what I think. And you know, and do that for, you know, many different things. Like you got to watch it maybe one time through for motion. this or that. I need like, slow motion and rewind. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it doesn't work. Yeah. It's, it's something. Um, okay. So your article, the way you went through it, you did all, like you went through Booker, the offensive player, the defensive player, and then you hit on the trade 
like what a trade would look like to the Timberwolves. And I want to start there. Um, because I think I just don't want to get too far into a conversation without actually talking about feasibility. And, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this is totally fantasy world. Like, I don't think we're playing fantasy basketball here. Like this could happen. It's right. It's not impossible. And as you laid out in the article, like there's, there's ways to, if Booker is put out on the block in ways that like Paul George was or whatever, right. any other star, all-star has been mm-hmm. in the past, if he's out there, like the Wolves are going to get in the mix. Like, right. you know that. So, so I think the question becomes like, what does the mix, what does the mix look like? Like what, what, obviously what would that cost? But, but it's, it's not just about what it would cost. I'm thinking of it a lot through the lens of Phoenix. Because that's where it all really breaks down for me. It's right. Like, There's what, no leverage. Yeah. Why? Like, what if I'm James Jones, the GM, of the Suns? Like, what the hell would I have to give up to actually give up Devin Booker? Right. Even if he says, I want out. Like, that is, with Devin Booker having four years, $130 million left on his contract. Like, he's at the beginning of it. Right. Yeah. And the same thing is saying Cat getting traded right now, which we would all scoff at and laugh. And if somebody's a Suns fan listening to this right now, they're probably doing the same thing. Right. But it is a conversation. This stuff has happened before. Paul George, he, he had, what, three years left on he And that, that came out of nowhere. Exactly. There like, were no rumblings of that even leading up to it of, of any type. Like, like, we just got a rumbling for me and Begley, but, but like, you a know, real, like, small out there. <laughs> yeah, like, at the, yeah, it was, there wasn't a lot to go off, but I think, Again, when you're talking about a, f- a fan base that has been so starved for talent, and, yeah. I, and I talked about it in the article right off the top, that you know I think it's funny that you think that this fan base would be somewhat satiated by bringing in a guy like D'Angelo Russell, a dynamic lead guard, to go with a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. That you know there'd at least be some people like out there saying, you know, this is great. I- I'm really glad that we have two quote unquote star players, if you however you want to classify them, whatever. Two They're good. They're good players. High profile players. <laughs> yeah. Fun players to watch, which I think is the bar that we're trying to clear as Timberwolves fans. Um and, and now they're just like, give me more, give me more, give me more. I, I need this, I need this third guy. I think it's funny to funny to look at it through that lens. And, you know, and Cal Tige um mentioned it, you know, underneath the article that, you know, when was the last time the Minnesota Timberwolves were mentioned as players in any type of potential sweepstakes for some type of player with some substance to him? I think, you know, someone, someone pointed out that, like, Kyrie, his, his list of initial teams yeah, included yeah, yeah. the Timberwolves way well, back the one, when. I mean, like, hold yeah. on. The Jimmy Butler, I mean, that was, that was something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but other than that. But right. other than that. Yeah, but, like, I mean, it, it's, just been, it's just been barren. And it's... And it's Remember when, right? when it was a question of whether or not the Wolves should trade Andrew Wiggins for Kyrie Irving? Oh, my God. It yeah, was, like, a debate. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, well, I think... Too, I mean, I like, guess Kyrie, were, Kyrie's crazy but right i mean i mean and you look at too like that was back when you know wiggins what that was probably like 2015 2016 when you know wiggins had just had that season where he goes 23 and 70 shooting 45 percent from the floor and and 37 percent from three like like at the time of andrew wiggins signing the max contract I i tell this all the time like context matters in what world are you not going to pay a guy who seemingly has all the potential in the world who just averages 23 seven and his shooting splits are that good. But here's the thing though, like, is the extension he signed yeah. it as an extension. So he right. signed up before his last year. He signed it after the good year. Right. But then he played in his final year of his and rookie deal, just, which was uh, not good. Yeah, no, that was the first Tibbs year. Right. That was kind of the first, Oh, this might be the Andrew Wiggins. We're kind of getting. Yes. Year. And yeah. It, yeah. Whatever. This is not, 
done talking about Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you approach? Uh, how did you approach thinking about trades? So w- the way that I thought about it was, you know, I first tried to think of okay, who are the guys on Minnesota's roster that could seemingly fit with Phoenix's roster? I mean, the easiest way to approach it is okay, you look at a one for one trade. By one for one, I mean you know just Minnesota and Phoenix, um, and and there's really not a ton there. I think that. You also have to think about it with, okay, who are the guys that if Booker comes, you're really going to want to make sure are on the roster just to give you some sort of, you know, role playing. From the playing. Wolves perspective. Correct. Yeah. Some sort of role playing. And I think you have to keep one of Jarrett Culver and Josh Kogi because otherwise, you know, your perimeter defense is going to really, really struggle. And I think that, you know, there's something to be said for you know, the two guys – having less of an offensive load and being able to devote more time to defense. But so that that was the first way I looked at it was what players on Minnesota's roster could seemingly have a value that is much greater than their, their contractual value. Sure. Um, Where, where that that would be lucrative trade assets. And I think that's kind of the way, you know, Rosas is kind of approached the whole, like a Jake Lehman thing or Jordan Bell thing or no Vonley thing, guys like getting guys on a minimum contract that could be seemingly used in, you know, they were used later on in the season in this trade to kind of overhaul the roster. Um, and, and that was the first place I looked because I knew off the top that, you know, Minnesota doesn't really, isn't really in a position where they have a lot of salary filling guys, like your seven, eight, nine, $10 million yeah. contracts that you can throw in a trade that help make it work. Um, but in, instead you kind of have, you know, the, the two maxes off the top and you have kind of the, the guy in between and James Johnson at the $15, $16 million mark. And then you have whatever whatever Malik Beasley is going to make, assuming the Timberwolves re-sign him. Um, so I kind of looked at it that way and, and very quickly you know found, okay, if the Timberwolves just want to do a one-for-one with Phoenix, you, have to, you pretty much have to include Malik Beasley and James Johnson. Otherwise, well, monetarily, it's not going to work. Well, like legally, because Booker's set to make 29 and a half next year, they have to send out at least 23 and a half. So Correct. anyone who's playing trade machine at home, you know, you, you got to, the Wolves have to send out that much money. Right. Right. And, and I think you were right to kind of start, like Malik Beasley is the starting point there. Right. Technically, you could get to that 23 and a half if you go Johnson, Johnson, Culver, Culver Spellman. That would get you there. That's 24. Right. Yep. And, but, it, it that in and of itself uh, in the aggregate is negative or even you know like right i mean johnson can't be viewed as that negative an asset right now because it's an expiring deal but you're not if you're, that's why i just keep going back to phoenix right. i'm like <laughs> oh yeah they put what, james johnson what, what's intriguing about Scullman? james johnson yeah. like yeah you like, know so so technically that could be your starting point and then you then you just throw all the picks in like right that that's that why deal t- would would pass the trade machine test, but I think, assuming we're Carlton Towns and DeAndre Russell are not in the trade, which I think is probably a big assumption. Right. That that might be just be a starting place for the right. Suns if they're negotiating. But for the sake of this, for the idea of bringing those three players together, I I don't know how you can start the conversation without putting in Malik Beasley in a sign and trade. Yep. In, into the deal is what is what and the lo- positional fit obviously makes sense too and, and and i'll get into it later once we start talking about you know devin the player but play type is 
somewhat similar in terms of sure. some of the actions that Minnesota has utilized him in and, and how he's been, you know, effectively deployed in the 15 games. He's yeah. Similar here. to Beasley or something. Yeah. It's, yeah. They're, they're similar in the way that you can use them. Obviously yeah, sure. much different production levels, but, um, but yeah, so that was the starting point. You know, Malik Beasley is obviously the guy that, that has to be there, um, be included in that. And, you know, like you, like you just said, um, you know, I titled it goodbye NBA draft because, <laughs> you know, that's the, that's the scenario where, in terms of player asset wise, you're probably not giving Phoenix a lot and you've got to, you've got to kind of go the Oklahoma city Clippers route where, okay, you know, you've really got to just start giving up picks left and right. And where, you know, obviously you can't give up two future picks in a row, but you can do the future pick and then the rights to pick swap, which essentially which is what is. happened not only with the Paul George and the Thunder thing, but also that happened with Anthony Davis and the Pelicans, where and the Russ and James Harden, yeah, deal, yeah, yeah. Too. yeah, or it's just they have Russ a stock of those picks plus pick swaps. So yeah, I mean that that's happening if this trade happens, where yep. the Wolves are throwing all or a lot of of their right. draft assets plus pick swaps in there because you, you like you said you can't trade picks in back to back years. That said if we're talking about this immediately, like the next time to make a trade being the NBA draft, the Wolves could trade. They could put on the table both of their first round picks. Correct. Yep. In in this, which who knows, maybe that's number one overall or three, whatever it is. And and then the Brooklyn 15, pick. 16, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, 15, 16, something like right. that. Um, that, I know people don't love this draft, but like it's a pretty strong place. To start. To start. In addition like, to Malik Beasley. But I, I think with Beasley, it's important. I like Beasley. You like Beasley. I mean, he's a he's a good player. He's what, 23 years old. Like, you Small know, sample size, though, too, is what you got to think about. What I think about, though, is that it's a sign-and-trade, right? So he's going to be signed to a contract at his market value, right? Let's call it, well, for the sake of this, call it 460, whatever. Give him yep. 50 million euro, 15 million a year over four years. Theoretically, right, that's his market value. So that becomes a neutral asset, yep. right? Yep. So I, I think it would still remain positive because just the way it works, you have the access to the asset that makes it kind of positive. But Beasley himself, it's not like you'd be getting Malik Beasley on a rookie scale deal. Exactly. You'd be getting him at his market value, which subtracts from it. I don't kind of a lot. And now you have to stack up other these draft picks on top of that. And I think you got to put Culver into the mix for salary purposes. And because he's an asset too, he is on his rookie scale deal. So I think that that's kind of the starting point is Beasley cap filler in Culver and we'll call it Spellman. And then picks those two picks. They don't have their pick the next year. You'd have to jump all the way to 2024 for for the next pick because because that Golden State pick holds for two years right yeah so so it's not, the Wolves are not in a position really to just totally load up on future assets like future draft picks because they've traded that goal, that pick to Golden State in the Andrew Wiggins Russell deal so I think it would be really contingent on Phoenix being into both Beasley and Culver. And have this their eyes draft. on this year's draft. Right. Probably like the one or two pick or something like that. And yeah. they love Anthony Edwards or they love whoever. Right. And I, I'd, 
I don't know. It's impossible to know exactly what they think, but I don't think this even starts unless Phoenix is into that specific structure. Correct. And I, and I think too, that, um, you know, some of it too comes down to luck. I mean, like you're talking sure. about with this year's draft, if, if the Timberwolves end up, you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure when the lottery is going to be, cause it's moved around a bunch of different times, but, um, but the lottery balls could also ultimately de- decide the Timberwolves fate and all this. Like if the Timberwolves end up with the seventh pick that, which is, <laughs> which is like a the, 7% the most chance, prop, yeah. which is the most, you know, or a five through seven or four through seven or whatever it yeah. is, the chances of that are much higher than the chance of a one through three, where yeah. I think the conversation is, you know, you, you have, a, you have a little bit more, you know, depth to it if you have a, a top three pick. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's tough that you're, that, that, that like hope is kind of your strategy in that sense. And that you also have to expect that, you know, let's say you have the third pick, you know, let's say, you know, maybe they don't bring back Dario Sarge. I, I don't think Dario Sarge is coming back to Phoenix. I know where you're going with this and I, I and, agree. And if you look and you say, okay, you have Lamella Ball off the board. You have an, and then you have, you know, Anthony Edwards goes two, and you're at the third pick now, and you have Anyaka Kangwu, who, for all intents and purposes, is a great screener, is a great roller, is a great defender at all three levels. For you know, a guy his age and a guy his size could slide in at the four, and maybe, maybe that's the last. That that might be the only thing you can cling to and hope for if. You know, you've got a pick in the three to six or seven range. You just got to hope and pray that he's still on the board because, you know, and, and it's, I, I wouldn't it's limit it there. I would put Obi Toppin into that too. But okay. I think you're right to, yeah. to point to like the four position. Right. Because that's the way I looked at it. Again, like I'm looking at this from the Phoenix perspective. Right. And if you're Phoenix and you have decided that I'm getting rid of Devin Booker, like what's left on that team is you have this kind of non-Booker core of DeAndre Ayton, who's under contract for the next two years, Rubio the next two years, Mikel Bridges the next two years, and then they have Kelly Oubre for one year. That's like their group of guys without Booker. Not great, but that's what they got to work with. And then, like you mentioned, Sarge is a restricted free agent. Aaron Baines, unrestricted free agent. Frank Kaminsky has a player team, option. Team option, I think. Well, whatever. What? Yeah. So, up in the air. All three of those guys. Right. All kind of four or fives. Yep. So... And check Diallo too, team option. Who right? Some something well. I kind of like it. Yeah. Um, but but for all intents and purposes, they're looking at if they trade Devin Booker. How? I think that's you're you're going even young, which sounds crazy to say going young because Booker's twenty three himself. Right. But, but all the guys around him are young too, and like and wing a, and kind of like wings. You have eight and at the five. Rubio at the one and then all those other kind of wing guys. I mean, they drafted Cam Johnson and Ty Jerome in the first round last year too, but it's, it would kind of be that four spot that would, you know, would be somewhat open. So yeah, I think it would be contingent on them really like in a Congru or Toppin in, in that sort of spot. And then also (laughs) I think if it's me and I'm, and I'm Phoenix, it would be, it would be about getting that coffer of picks and they have their own lottery pick this year coming, assuming they don't make the playoffs. I'm looking, I'm only doing this deal where I get all this stuff from the Wolves if I know I can immediately flip it for another type of Devin Booker. Somebody in that range who obviously the names that are out there are like Bradley Beal, but the one I was thinking of 
and now we're doing long shot times long shot. Right. We're not, <laughs> but like, what's to say Philly, you know, fizzles out here too. And, you know, they do end up breaking up the Simmons and being mm-hmm. core. What does it cost if you're, if you're Phoenix, can you get in that Ben Simmons conversation with four first round picks that you're getting whatever from the wolves or that you do have? Like if I'm Phoenix, I'm just not, I, I can't get behind this idea of moving into this sort of young rebuild with DeAndre Ayton and Malik Beasley, unless I know I have a route to Ben Simmons, Bradley Beal, CJ McCollum, one of those guys' names who, right. who pop up all the time. And you're not going for a, for a secondary guy like an Aaron Gordon who's probably right. going to be readily available. Readily available, but I was even thinking like Gallo. Does he move? Does he yeah. move the needle? No, like no, no, it doesn't. Or maybe he moves the needle for one year. Mm-hmm. But is he going to move the needle two, three, four years down the line when you want to re-sign a guy like Aiton or a guy like Mikhail Bridges or a guy like Cam Johnson? They're going to be there long term. Yep. Um, it, it just gets bleak, and 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 really, you know, I I, I, I mean, it's I, literally I'm, think about it from the Wolves' perspective. Yeah, think about it from the Wolves' perspective. And Cat comes into Rose's office and says, "Trade me." Like, <laughs> he's going to say sorry. Uh, yeah, like first he's going to say sorry. But right. even if you get behind that, past that sorry spot. If you're Rosas or James Jones in this Phoenix situation, then you go, all right, he wants out. Like, we just got to rebuild. Let's get, let's get like three lottery picks in this class and like roll it back out, see if we're relevant in 2026. Like, no, no way. If that's Rosas, you're getting before Laughed those out of the door, laughed yeah, out of the room. Right. Or, or you're just getting fired before, even if that worked before yeah. it comes to fruition. Same thing goes for James Jones, whatever. Like, it, again, if the Wolves were to trade Carl Anthony Towns, they better be getting enough assets to go and be able to turn those assets into, into another right. 25-year-old stud. Yep. And if you're not doing that, then it's not happening. Like, Yeah, and, and the other thing that I look at too is, you know, if you're James Jones, I'm Devin Booker, I want to walk in your office, I'm saying, I'm, I'm never playing another game for you again. I want to go to Minnesota. I will not accept any trade that is not Minnesota. I have no right. Is that even a thing? But yeah, well, okay. no, I know okay. what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. It, it, which is like one of the only we, feasible situations <laughs> in which Devin Booker can yeah. even get to Minnesota in the first place. Like yeah. there is nothing stopping you from calling Bob Myers or calling uh, or calling Oklahoma City and just saying, "Hey, what do you want for?" Or like, "What are you What are you going to give me for Devin Booker?" Yeah, like, like teams how's, that, that how's have sick with the Thunder, like teams that yeah, like <laughs> teams that have way more assets can way more feasibly mm-hmm. come up with you for Devin Booker. James John, James Jones is going to be like. Screw you, man. Go have fun in Oklahoma City or Boston. Like, you're going to give me a way better deal. That makes 10 times more sense for me to deal with a team like thanks, that. Thanks, but no thanks on right. Amari Spellman. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like if you're Rose, it's just being like, hey, this Amari Spellman guy, yeah. like, untapped potential here. I mean, it's just not going to, it's. They would absolutely need to get a third or fourth team in. Yes. And I think, I think that's an interesting point. And, and this, I think this speaks to feasibility. Um, is that, I mean, look at last summer. All those big guys that moved. Kevin Durant going to Brooklyn. That's a sign and trade with yep. Golden State. And that was with Russell there. And it's crazy cat mechanics. Same sort of thing. Kemba Walker to Boston. And then Tara Rozier was signed and traded to Charlotte. Yep. Um, same thing with Butler. And uh, Butler and Josh Richardson switching places in Philadelphia and Miami. Like, it's through that mechanics, which I think is going to become the norm of offseason transactions. 100%. Especially if teams are going to want to be trying to add a second, a third guy. It's only to, way. To, right. Yeah. I mean, it just, there's no other way that you can get the math to add up or that you can try and market any of the young guys that you have that haven't yet been signed that first big extension mm-hmm. where you can kind of say, Hey, you know, 
take a bet on this guy's potential. Take a bet on what this guy can become. Right. Rather than like you're talking about with Wiggins or like if you extend a guy a year early, like then you run the risk of like that becoming a really negative asset really fast. If you aren't, you know, sure. What were you kind of working against working against you in the sense that like he's shown too much where he's like <laughs> yeah. not quite shown enough to where you're just like, Oh, this Malik Beasley guy, like right, I'm right, kind right. of kind of interested to see where this goes, but doesn't. Okay. But I was thinking about like with Malik Beasley, he is like Terry Rozier, right? Like that was the sign of trade for Kemba. 100%. And it isn't he like Josh Richardson too. Like where I know those are different a, where it's like a positional fit too, where it's like you're I trading know. a point guard for a point guard or shooting guard for a shooting guard. And that's the same thing that would be happening here. Like you're trading a ball that hope probably, you know, a ball dominant shooting guard that the offense is going to run through for a majority of the time. Um, which is just like another interesting wrinkle that you throw into it. I, I think it just, it's why it's why. And I'm sure people chirped you in the comments of the article too, of like, oh, this trade sucks or whatever. It's like, yeah, the real is <laughs> the reality of the situation is if this Booker trade does happen, it's going to be so freaking complicated that you can't even put together like an outline. We can't. I mean, we're. Right. I mean, I was just saying like, hey, this is a framework yeah. of like, this is what it like. This might be kind of where it starts and what you're, what they're going to report is going yeah. to be. Because exactly. Yeah. But but I think if it happens, it is literally would look like a fourteen trade, at least. And we're talking about sign and trades, and I think Hernan Gomez gets involved. Too multiple sign and trades with multiple, multiple teams, and which is just. Like at this point, it's this whole stew of like value that everyone is maybe gonna get like their bowl filled up enough. Right. All four or five teams. Like, but again, to feasibility, I'm not that's why I'm not totally poo-pooing this. It's like we've already seen the Rosa's regime do that. It was a four team trade. Really creative with, deal. With Cummington, really creative deal. It's it's happening in the league like right now. This is the way that this stuff works. It's just we can't have in a vacuum conversations about it because right. it's too complicated. Yeah, and, and that's kind of why with the second the second thing that I threw out there was okay, kind of getting a third team involved where you can get a guy that one could be useful to your team. So the guy, so the so the second trade that I proposed was that Minnesota gets Booker or, or Minnesota gets Booker. Phoenix gets Malik Beasley, Jarrett Culver, our 2020 first-round pick that, that the Wolves own, and then rights to pick swap 2022 first-round picks. And then I brought the Knicks into it. So you get a guy who's a pending free agent like Mo Harkless, who's a guy that you know probably will sign in like that 5 to $8 million a year range, mm-hmm. might do like a, a two for 14 or something like that where he's, sure. probably, he's probably not – or maybe a one-year deal where you can get him to sign an expiring contract – and and you and you ship him to Phoenix. I mean, obviously, this is probably something that wouldn't happen, but it's just the idea of it, right? Where you get a guy who is all is a a useful guy that you can play if you need him to, but you could also use another trade, you know, later down the line if you needed to do that as well. If you're Phoenix, that is. Um, and, and I think it's yeah, just, it's it would be like it would be a deal that has like foam four Mo four Mo Harkless. Oh in yeah, it, you know, right? Where it's it's that idea where you're just each team is repurposing their assets into a way where the players fit better onto the team or their age or their salary fits best into all those different teams. And it's like, would be a crazy web of 
figuring it all out. And it's and it's tough too because if you're working with a if you're working with a sign and trade, that's what that's what is called a simultaneous trade. Right. So that's a trade that all has to happen all at once. And if it it's, let's and if Beasley, if Beasley's involved in the deal, it has to be a, a sign and trade or, so, or any other or any other player yeah. that you like you're talking about. It's probably gonna have multiple people that are signed signed and traded just because. You know, with kind of the way teams are trending, it's kind of trending from the f- inception of kind of the big three in Miami or kind of what Golden yep. State had going on where you get the talent together, whatever contracts you need to get those guys together, you get it together and you make everything else work later. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way the NBA is trending where, like you said, the sign and trade is going to become a much more central kind of figure or piece that what we're going to see in trades moving forward, because if you've got two or three guys on max contracts, you're probably not going to have a bunch of it other guys. It is the way on, to big threes. Right. You're not going to have a bunch it's of guys. why on Brooklyn like, has Kevin Durant. And right. You're not, you're not going to have guys on six, seven, eight, nine million dollar contracts, except for like first round rookies in their third or fourth year of the deal. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to get help from other teams, sure. which sucks because then you've got to start throwing second round picks here and there. And then you're kind of SOL with, okay, I have to make undrafted free agents like <laughs> the main centerpiece of like, positive assets that I'm bringing in outside of guys on, you know, vet minimum deals or the yeah, minimum exception. like the Rockets where it's right. like a churn of rotating daily guys or vets who know. can do this job. But say what you were saying about the simultaneous trade. Yeah. So, so simultaneous trade essentially saying that everything has to happen all at once. Everybody has to be on the same page at one time. It's super complex. It can't be done where, you know, I call up Houston, I call up Atlanta, I call up Denver and like, we're kind of on the same page that we need time to work it out. Like, and these guys too, they can't sign deals with other teams. It has to be done while they're still a free agent. They haven't signed. And the, t- the window that you have to get something like that done is so narrow. It's 48 hours. Yeah. Like the, that, the D'Angelo Russell one, he signed his deal with Brooklyn that had a clause in it that said within the next 48 hours, he needs to be traded. Yep. Like, it, it, I mean, you could get the ball rolling before, but to your point, it's you're working with a narrow time frame and you're mixing in a ton of different variables. Yeah. I mean, and you have to just tamper to high hell because if, <laughs> if you're, if you're also too, like, let's say they have a handshake deal where, okay, we have a deal in place where I'm going to give you both of the Timberwolves picks. Let's call it three and 15. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to know ahead of the draft that I'm picking the players for you. Right. Because I can't trade both of those picks Til before the, the trades are happened until after the players have been picked. And I can then trade the rights to you. So you satisfy the steeping rule. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it just gets really complicated that you'd have to have all those teams in line. Um, and does free agency happen before or after the draft? After. Okay, after. So, I mean, that helps a little bit in the sense that you can kind of start talking to guys with the restricted free agents saying like, hey, this is probably what we're going to do. Right. And, and talk to all these teams before the draft and, and then have it worked out that way. But again, <laughs> your margin for error is zero. And, well, and you it's have to all funny. these teams on board. And this summer too, this summer too, with the bubble happening and all that, they, the off season is going to be even more condensed and muddled with everything. We're going to go NBA finals and the draft's going to be three days later. Like, and then you have the free agency three, period, like three days right after, after that. that. Yeah. Like it, it's so, I mean, and, and I, I'm sure they do have this going on in their, the front office in Minnesota right now, whether it's Booker or other player X that right. they're, they're looking at where it's a million different machinations of of how the, you know this can all come together the grand point <laughs> is that it's very complicated but that it is possible 
Correct. And and I don't even mean that in like a one in a million sort of way. Like this can be done. This is how big this is how big deals happen. Right. It. I mean, step one is obviously somehow Booker getting out of Phoenix four years before his deal's up, and getting to Minnesota as opposed to yeah. any of the other places that could that have more up. assets. Right. But I mean, it, there there is. There is a Jacob's ladder effect that could happen, and and you and you could see it, Absolutely. and it's and that's it's why it is, it is worth talking about, and and what we know about the Rosas regime is, it, I mean, it's not fake. Like they are star hunting. I mean, that is, right. and they've made it known publicly. Which yeah, it, I mean, for better or worse, like yeah, and I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that either. Right, like, no. not a not a bad idea. Like, but there are there are different styles of gyms you look i mean you look around the league maybe at like toronto or something where it's you know building more linearly or Mm -hmm. something like that a different type of ways work but i think what we've learned from from rosa's even in a year is that the goal here is exponential growth at some point and to do that you've got to get high level talent in the building yeah and, and I mean, to their credit, obviously the Russell thing came through and people have different opinions on, on that trade. And it, it's fair. I mean, they gave up a lot, you know, to, and, to move that. And I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, obviously I don't think that the Russell deal was done with Booker in mind. I just, I, I mean, you would know more than I would, but I, I don't think that that was done with Booker in mind whatsoever. I think because they have so much in mind, but it's like, what part of the mind? Like, how distant right, yeah, of like, the imagination? Right. Like, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, you're kind of at the at the board in the situation room trying to connect all the dots. But you know, you look at the you look at the Oklahoma City Clippers deal and the Clippers deal, where you know you look at all those picks and you're like, okay, wow, they gave up a lot. But okay, the opportunity cost is not just Paul George, but it's Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Like you could then rethink that, that Russell deal with Golden State where it's okay. Yeah. Like giving up the first addition to Wiggins is kind of a lot, but the opportunity cost of that was opening the door for Booker to be like, screw this. I'm sick and tired of losing. I want to go play with my best friends and make it work with them and win with them. No, I, I like which, which is that. which is interesting, and, I and mean, maybe it's not Booker too. Maybe right. maybe it's someone else. It's other star that becomes available. Whoever that's whoever interested that in playing with these two young guys. Yeah, and and I mean that stuff matters too. Mm-hmm. The the pull of the in, the intrigue of playing with Cat and Dilo, which I mean I, I think this is just true that us out in the fan media world think a lot less of the cat D'Lo pairing than players do in the league. Right. I don't, I just don't think, I don't think they look at it as statistically whatever as, as we do or, or don't judge it as much on past performance. You know, it's like when you, you know, putting together a team for, to play pickup or whatever, you know, it's, it doesn't doesn't matter if you lost, like lost the last game, like, Dude, I liked what we, he did. Like, we, what, we like the seven foot dude who makes right. all his threes, and yeah. this other dude's nasty in the pick and roll. Like if we pick them up on our squad, or if they pick me up on their squad, like that—that's yeah. the way the thought process works. Yeah, or like if you're Joe Harris and you're trying to figure out, okay, I could sign for like seven million dollars in this offseason. Okay, where am I going to want to go? Am I going to want to go to like 
some championship team where I'll like maybe make three or four million dollars or they'll have maybe be in the tax and allowed to pay it. Mm-hmm. Have to use a taxpayer mid level yeah. where you're having, you know, like six million dollars to work with instead of like nine point seven. Um, and you, you might have less money available and, you know, there might be players around where like you're not going to be made to be Joe Harris, like at the top of your game. Yeah. Or you could go play with a guy who's a crazy good passer who you've played and, with. And the one season you really, really played <laughs> with him, you had a, a historic one of, became one, Joe of the, Harris. one of the greatest <laughs> shooting. Se- I mean, it was yeah. a little smaller volume, but you had one of the greatest shooting seasons of all time yeah. playing with this point guard who can make you better. And as a role player, I think when you're looking at it from a player perspective, rather than like, just like whether it be like a gas bag talking head at, you know, wherever, um, like, like this podcast, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you just think about it through such a different lens. And I yeah. think like, well, ultimately dollars, make the most sense. Um, I do think that there's players out there that care about being like being in a position where, where they can be the best versions of themselves and forfeit a million or $2 million in order to make that happen. Yes. And I think they have a, I think the wolves have a front office that casts a wide net ready to catch those things when, if, and when they do fall and the obvious example with Rosa's to draw is James Harden with the trade from Oklahoma City to Houston. It's like, what the hell? James Harden got traded to the Rockets? Like, well, Houston had their net ready for that. Right. To, if something comes up. Just jump at it. Yeah. Like, we're ready. Here we go. Like, let's do it. And and it ends up being for, the, the, obviously, <laughs> that value paid off, you know, for them. And... And I know that's what Rosa's belief is with Russell, even if some people don't love the value of that. Um, I think he sees it like the player way, where he's like, I don't care that D'Angelo Russell was in the 30th percentile and pick and roll efficiency. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, like he's like, I know that that if I put that player with Carl Anthony Towns, that's, gonna that's be, probably going to be really damn good. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just think that's sort of their thought process on this. And it's, it's why if you put that together and you add Devin Booker to the mix, the opportunity for it to be exponentially great is there because they make all three of each other better. And we'll get to the defense. We'll get to all those sort of things, the downsides of it. But there is an argument to be made that it's like, name your price. Like I, I'm willing to I mean if he makes this deal, Rosas is betting his job. Oh, a hundred percent. On on the yeah. on it working. Like hundred percent, you know. And I d I don't know. I, I think yeah. he's got the balls to, to make oh, that. Oh, I absolutely think he does. And I and I think it goes back to too, like the whole, you know, saying like we are going to be in the mix of whomever becomes available, we're getting in the mix. I think yeah. laying those seeds is important because it just puts in the back of other GMs' minds like okay, this might be what happens and who might come calling, you know, this other, yeah. everything else. But I also think too that, you know, when you look at the whole exponentially great thing, how often are you going to be a, are, are you in a position as a small market team, you have won or you've made the playoffs one time in the last 15 seasons. Yeah. You have two young quote unquote stars under the age of 25 on long-term deals where you could go get a third guy who both of those guys are all in on 
also under the age of 25, also on a long-term deal in a small market. It's just, you don't see that. I mean, sure, you want to look at Milwaukee, but like, I don't really think like Chris Middleton, like Chris Middleton is awesome, but I don't, he's like, he's not like, you don't have three studs in Milwaukee. That team is built. I I think the comparison is, is Portland if Portland ever got a third guy. Right. Like if they would have gotten, got Kevin Love. Yeah. But right. And and then I think, and I think this ceiling is, and I'm, I mean, sure I'm biased. I like the Wolves. I want to see it succeed, but I also think the ceiling of a Russell Booker Towns core is a lot higher than whatever any other small market team in, in recent years probably could have come up with. Is the, is the floor lower? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's a discussion you can have, but well, I that's think, the gamble. Right. And I think especially, I mean, and when you have the Timberwolves history and you're trying to engage a fan base that, you know, has been bottom of the barrel in attendance. I mean, these are some of the things that you have to think about that are kind of a little bit bigger than just on the court basketball. Well, those that, that those conversations are definitely happening. Um, I think, and I think, and I, I don't, I think there's somebody that would hear you say that or us say this and look at the fact that, you know, you just kind of run the numbers of the usage rates of three players at this level and you specifically mix Booker with Russell and Russell is so high usage and not, not a great efficiency, right? You go like the, oh, he's 56% true shooting and a 30% right, yeah. usage. You do that and you mix those all together and like, you're right, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. Like you would look at that and go, well, that's a 43 win team or some 45 win team, something like that. 38 or, yeah. whatever, or whatever people want to say. <laughs> yeah. I that's mean, that's the number I've gotten 38. I can't tell you how many replies I got. That was just 38 and 45. Sure. And, and I'm not even, I don't agree with that, but, I'm not even trying to poo-poo that because there's a, there's a there's an argument to be made there, but I think the argument against that is made by talking about how it would actually look on the floor, 100%. and like the fit of their games together, not just their usages versus each other. Those are just like the two squares running context. Into each other. There's the con- yeah, there's the context there, and I think that's what was cool about your article is is you wrote about that and you made it you made us know what the context is of Devin Booker first as a player and then how that would fit with cap, but more so D'Angelo I thought is the, is the more interesting element of that. So it's not quite as clear, I think, but it's that's, that's the hang up point. If you can convince somebody that that part's going to work, that those two are going to be able to work well together, Russell and Booker effectively, then, then we're talking about exponential growth. Then we're talking yeah. about something special, right? If you can, if you can go through towns through two dynamic playmakers, two different dynamic playmakers, that's like special, special. How they do that, we don't really know because we haven't even seen Cat and D'Lo play together, and and we haven't. I mean, we haven't we haven't seen D'Lo work with another league guard really, not only just here but ever elsewhere. Yep. But in other places, we have seen that. I mean, look at Houston with the Chris Paul and James Harden thing and how effective that was with just Clint Capella as the five. And there's just an element, if Russell and Booker, and they're not the talents of Harden and Paul, but Harden and Paul found a way to mesh together. And that boosted that team's ceiling to a high level that, you know, I think if you run out over those years X amount of times, they go... 
they win it, so they win the championship, right. or they go and, to a championship. And you, like and, they're really and, good. And people were making the same claims too. Like, okay, well, you start looking at the numbers, you start looking at like, okay, Chris Paul's just been like this dominant guy. Not be not gonna be enough balls to go around. Right. Didn't yeah. really didn't really mesh super well with Blake Griffin. How well is he gonna mesh with another big time personality? And, and, and or, all or, fair arguments. Right. I probably made that argument. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they're they're all things that you had to think about, and and things that you cannot just write off because you want to cherry pick some number and right. and and, so, and use it however you want. But uh, but I think that how would I, it work? Booker and, and Russell and Russell. Okay. So the way that I think about it is that I look back at I look back at at uh, at Russell's time in Brooklyn. Russell was at his best when you when you break it down. You look at different different lineup numbers. You look at and just looking at film too, like he looks really, really comfortable when he's playing synergistically with another guy that can handle the ball. Totally pops on his. I was I went back and watched a lot of Brooklyn today, and yes. yeah, and and that was something that I looked at too for for context. Like, okay, like how how am I going to look at this? Like, I can just write about it, but I, I want to look at it. And I went back and looked at him and Shabazz, and and D'Lo is really, really good at, at reading the floor when he doesn't have the ball in his hands and, and kind of understanding how the offense is flowing, where defenders are flowing, and what I like to kind of call hunting open space on the floor and making sure that he slides into to open pockets and, and kind of For kind sure. of lays in the weeds offensively. I don't think we really you know use that term I know you're in, saying. in the context of offense but he slides in and, and kind of lays in the weeds and then darts out somewhere darts behind he might be you know at the free throw line extended and then darts to the corner and and some guy drives baseline he's wide open waiting in the corner for pat like he's just very smart when he doesn't have the ball in his hands we uh, saw that with offense. jordan mclaughlin 100 percent. we did, we did see the the last whatever those 10 games whatever it was that that element of popped i mean russell is not like his usage might suggest it, but if you like watching him play, he's not like he's not like the ball hog point guard who feels like I need to take it up the floor every right. time. If somebody else has it, he's he's cool with starting at the lift and position. That, and, and, and that's interesting to look at too from the lens of his time so far in Minnesota because it's not like he had all these other guys around him that could go make plays and, and go do stuff, especially when Cat was out. Um, you know, he was willing to defer. Like you go look at the end of the Miami game, like yeah. Jordan McLaughlin has the ball. And goes and takes it on Bam Adebayo and scores. Like, yeah. D'Lo didn't sick. have the ball. That was awesome. That was an <laughs> awesome game. My favorite Wolves game of the year. But, um, but but it just goes to show that like he doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time. And, he, and you look in in Russell, in my opinion, works best when when he's playing with another lead guard that can that can penetrate and get into the lane and collapse the defense so that he can spot up as a shooter. Because he's not a guy that's really gonna really aggressively attack closeouts and and drive to the basket and you know he'll he'll kind of take a couple dribbles in and shoot a little floater but not a guy that's gonna gonna go all the way to the rim and having a guy like McLaughlin and making it work with McLaughlin and then you get a guy who just aggressively attacks the rim whether he has the ball or he doesn't and Booker and you've you've got a whole whole new ball game there and I think too. A lot of the time, we think about how how good an offense would be in an ideal situation, like a, a pure, clean, you know, pick and roll. Cat sets it, he pops, he rolls, whatever, and right. it's like Bing, Bing, drop off, pass, dunk, or like hit him on the roll, kick it to a Kogi for the open three, whatever, right. like that. Yep. We think about we think about offense. We think about clean offense a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, what boosts a team is their ability to find success in broken plays. Yep. And you often find that by having multiple players who can do something with the ball late shot clock. Yep. 
And and I think like with the Wolves, the clean stuff, if you go D'Lo, Book, or Cat, is obviously going to be dominant. You yep. just have especially handoff actions. In my yeah, I, that there's no like that's just going to work. But if you have a situation where D'Lo or Booker run into a wall, and you can get it to Devin Booker with four seconds left, and he just has to go like one two dribble move, whatever, like that's still going to give you a good offensive outcome in one on one defense too. And I think that I think that part of it, I'll go back to the Chris Paul and James Harden thing. I think that's why that was so effective with those two is because Chris Paul is very good at that. Yep. And particularly like in a busted situation, he can get in one, two dribbles into the elbow area and make a mid range at a really high rate. Yep. And I, I think it's that all of that, whatever that good stuff that has been so missing from the Timberwolves, even like, Go back to like the Butler Tibbs era sort of stuff. Right. They were so bad in 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 those situations where it's becomes Jamal Crawford or it was. I mean, it was it was a big reason why Wiggins' efficiency was as poor as it was because he, he was, was the guy that to was do stuck those to do that. And even last year too was stuck doing the same thing. And and he's just not Devin Booker in those situations right. or D'Angelo Russell, you right. know. And and so I think I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we need to sell people that this would be an awesome offensive fit. Right. But but that's the argument for them not being the 43-win team. It's that the whole is greater than the sum of its part, whatever, yeah. however that line works, yeah. where it doesn't just look like 328 usage rates at X. And nobody else is involved. In, no, I mean, right. it, it would be legitimately special. It would. And... I'm I'm t- I'm think I'm I confidently can say I think that that starting lineup. I mean I'm I'm not going to yeah. speak on what the bench should be. I'm very confident saying that that could be a top three or four offensive starting lineup in the NBA. I, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think that's a hot take at all. I mean, like Dallas was the best offense in the league this year, and they didn't have that much offensive firepower if you really think about it. Like obviously, Lucas special Porzingis and the way they fit together is good there, um, but they were able to be the best offense in the league. Now, a huge part of that is the coaching, and yep. and, and Carlisle unlocked so many of those guys. Got a lot of out of the tertiary pieces like uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, all those guys. But the like the talent, the offensive talent in Minnesota would be greater than what Dallas has. Oh, unquestionably, there. yeah. So, so I, I, I think, and maybe it would take a year or something, but I think you could make an argument that they would be a top, the top offense. In the oh, league, absolutely. Or second, third, something like that. Like elite, elite offense. Yep. And, and now, I mean, we're burying the lead here of, of the defense, which is not going to be that, of course, but there is something to the element of you can be below average defensively if you are elite elite at offense not way below average because if you're way below average and elite at offense we actually saw that in minnesota yep with the year they made the playoffs they, they were, were the eighth seed sixth or fourth on fifth? fourth on offense 27th in defense yeah. i think yeah so the wolves could be number one on offense and 27 in defense is not gonna work and i mean and they were an eight seed that year but think about where they were before jimmy butler got hurt mm-hmm they were a three seed the day before. With still Jimmy, a bad defense. They were before Jimmy Butler got hurt. They were the three seed with 
and and still not good. I mean, right? It's just it goes to show it goes to show exactly your point that you know you, you need like you're able to make it work if you are consistently elite offensively. Mm-hmm. You can string together enough stops defensively, and I think some of the some of what I found watching Booker. I don't know if you saw the same thing, but somewhere inside Devin Booker, there is a good defender. There is a good on ball defender when the game is tight and you really need somebody to lock in and Dude, get a stop. He's classic. He's classic he pissed off it. guy. He's classic p- pissed off guy. And just offensive superstar. And he, he gets pissed off and he's gonna he's gonna lock up. It right. happened. It happened. But it happened rarely. I mean, you're right. That's in there. But it. it when I was watching it today, and I watched that. It's just. Is that gonna? Are you gonna be able to tap into that? And so, so I saw that, I, I know I saw that in your article and, and you pointed out those instances and they're real. They are real. It very much reminded me, and I'm just because my mind is like in NBA draft mode. Yep, it absolutely. really reminded me of Anthony Edwards. Yep. And, and he's somebody who I'm fairly high on in this class. And it's, it's kind of for that reason, honestly, where I'm like, man, there are these plays where he looks like an elite defender too. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it's funny I'm willing to like forgive the lapses of Anthony Edwards because he's 18. He's doing it in college and there's nobody else on his team. Yeah, but I'm talking, but it's defense. It's defense. I don't even care about the other stuff on his, on his team thing. It's just effort. And, and I'm watching Devin Booker and it's the same thing. And I go, I can't make the same argument because you're 23 and you're in the league. Right. And And that's totally fair. And I just, it's an issue. It really, it really is an issue because he gets busted all the time. It was yep. worse. I mean, whatever, I'm watching the Suns during the year, but really like going through it with Synergy is two of their last three games were against Portland. Yep. Um, but before, you know, the, the year ended. And I mean, it, it was so clear that Portland's plan was <laughs> let's run Devin Booker off. He's guarding CJ. Yeah, and, and 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 I just want to point out too that you know I really only talked about Devin Booker on the ball as a as a potential positive because in my opinion he has far more issues off the ball and just tuning yep. out and just looking disinterested like you were saying like the whole pissed off thing mm-hmm. where you know that that happened and the lapses happen so much more on when he's off the ball because I I mean obviously I think it's a lot easier to lock in. When you're one on one with a guy, the guy's got a ball in his hands. He's looking you in the face, and he's, you know, like the, the competitor in you wants to lock in more when mm-hmm. it's one on one, or especially in like a late game situation or oh, something sure. like that. But where are you spending most of your time as a defender? Particularly if you're playing the two, off the ball, yeah. and you're playing team defense. And if your team defense is really, really bad, and you know we can't really tell if there's the potential for it to be good if you lock in. Like it's really tough. It's it's really tough to to see a path for it, the defense coming around, especially off the ball. It's the same thing as it is for D'Lo and Cat, where they they all want to win. They want to be good. But they what are you don't do to do it. They don't compete in off ball situations or in 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 the middle areas. And and you bring it up with Booker, it's he stops competing when the ball is on the other side of the floor. And I think there's a bash on Wiggins sort of thing, but I think that's easy for fans to picture where it's the, you know, raise up in your stance. It's the, 
it's the it's the lose your eye on it. And and you had you had one you had the one clip in your article where it's the Landry Shamit corner mm-hmm. three. Yep. And all that is about is it's staying low and it's instead of just looking at the ball on the far side, you're looking at both. And that's hard. It's hard to remind yourself to do that over and over again. Right. But that's what it's about. Devin Booker has to do that. Yeah, D'Angelo absolutely. Russell has to do it. Carlton Towns has to do it. And it's it's a fascinating like psychological thing. Like we can't keep here and we can't sit here and keep asking continually and continually and continually. Okay, well now that now that Devin Bo- or now that the cat's got D I think he's gonna want to lock in more. Or now now that now that I think I think D'Lo and Cat would want to lock thing. in more because Devin Booker's here, like sure, maybe. Like I think you maybe you understand that like winning is more feasible for you as a team. Mm-hmm. It is more feasible for you to go to the playoffs. So, you know, if you try a little bit harder, maybe you're a higher seed in the playoffs versus a lower seed in the playoffs. Like, whatever it is, you can, it's really hard to hope that a guy's heart on the floor is going to just radically change based on, like, the See, man, and I don't even – I disagree that it's heart. I think, I think it's head. I think it's his head and letting your mind wander. And I, – I, <laughs> I don't know if this is getting like too too deep into it, but it's right. like it is. It's a commitment to focus because I don't. I have no problem with Carl Anthony Towns's heart. I have no problem with Devin Booker's heart. Like Devin Booker, badass on the basketball. Really cool to have a handful of games I've covered and watched him up close. Like that dude plays pissed off. I don't think for a second we can't say that that guy isn't a competitor. He doesn't compete in all situations because it's this weird disconnect for all three of them where I'm like, and, and I, I don't know what it is. It, yeah. It, and, and the reason why, the reason why I think it's hard is because in order to, to have guys in your team that you're going to go get up for a road game, maybe it's the second night of a back to back. You're in Charlotte. You're up by 18 in the second quarter, the third quarter. Like you've got to be able to, to have that within you all the time. And, and, and I would sure hope that, you know, some of it could also be fatigue. These guys are human beings. If you ask me to go run for four miles in a basketball game oh, while also sure. trying to like make my own offense, like it's tough. And so you're hoping that the offensive load that these guys have had to carry in their individual respective situations yeah. is, is going to obviously be less. Some nights you might have one guy off and you might be working through one guy or whatever, but you'd hope that they would be able to. And like, obviously it makes sense that these guys, obviously their role is much bigger on offense than it is on defense. And they have to conserve more of their energy to star in the role that they have on offense. I, I completely understand that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you're just playing like the numbers of like, where are you going to conserve? Like it makes sense. Right. But you'd hope that with these guys carrying a, a lighter offensive load that they'd be able to lock in more and be more willing to exert more of their energy on defense because it will be easier for all of them to succeed on offense, both individually I, and as a team. And I think that's a given. I think, I think that will but happen. It, it's just hard to kind of like hypothesize and, and think about like, okay, what does that look like? How does that, how does that work? Well, this is what it is. And I don't, I don't think it's the, it's the, the Charlotte game when you're up by 15, quite frankly, like, that's not going to be as impactful if you lose your head a little bit there. What it is, and I think that works this in this year's example is the one game that Cat and D'Lo played together was that Raptors game, right? Or where kind of shit starts to hit the fan in the third end of the third quarter, fourth the, quarter, the fourth when they're quarter. just doing the one four one four high pick and rolls. Yeah, and and what it was the reason they lost that game is because D'Lo's on Kyle Lowry and they go 
and they, Siakam. And they go set the screen for Siakam every time. Right. And, and the problem is that D'Angelo Russell needs to be completely committed to 110% effort in that situation because that's exactly because Toronto is going at you. They want that switch, and they think Siakam's just gonna kill you there. So, what and, are you going to do to stop it? Like, you should be, you should feel pissed off that they're coming at you, and they're saying like, "We and, can score on this guy." And I, you, it should be yeah. make you mad and want to stop it. I, I think so, and I think, and I'm, I'm always hesitant to be like, old guy, get off my lawn when it's these guys <laughs> that are younger. But, but, but there's like, there's this element of it where I think. Some of those guys in their early 20s, the mentality more so is that, all right, they're going at me here. I'm just going to, I'm going to go back at them on offense. Yeah. And great point to win. It's both. It's both. And, and we've never seen any of Cat, D'Lo and Booker do it. And it's why they're all 24 and having terrible win loss records. Right. I mean, it's not the only reason they played for bad or. I mean, messed up organizations, all that sort of stuff. But that's the difference. That's what it is. And I think that's what any coach would tell you. I think that's what the Timberwolves would tell you. Rosa, Saunders, whatever, with true serum in them. It's, but their argument would be, we can teach that. Yeah, or we can unlock that. And the thing, too, is like, that's fair. go because- look around at these guys' perceptions around the league. They're all perceived as, for lack of a better term, like losers in a basketball sense because they've, and they're all looked at the, the lauded as these kind of the Mount Rushmore of empty stats guys. <laughs> and like, and like put it up in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how do you want to go out and change that? Like you have, like if, if those three were together, you have an opportunity. And I, and I think it would be like you said, kind of like the old guy, get off my line. Like these guys are younger and they're different. These guys in their generation are built differently. They are. They are. Yeah. And they like, are different. Like I think it, I think to cat and to D I mean, you'd obviously be able to speak to me better than this, but I would be shocked if that perception of these guys don't play defense, this is not going to work because neither play defense. This will be a turnstile, 82 mm-hmm. nights a year, all year long. That probably really pisses them off. What's stopping Cat from – Cat is probably one of the greatest offensive talents as a big man that the ever, league yeah. has ever seen. That's sure. unquestioned. So why so why is he not thought of as being a better player than Embiid or Jokic? Why why is D'Angelo Russell not more highly regarded as a really talented point guard? Why and, did and everyone think circles, it was a, like, a bad idea? Why did so many people think yeah, it was a bad, bad trade when you were right. traded for Wiggins? Like right, yeah, a guy that everybody's just been dogging on yeah. for like for years, and you finally get off of him, and now people want to turn back and say like, yeah, bad idea. Like it's just I I think that that is that's an angle too. Like you have an opportunity to change the narrative, and I think they need help to do that. And I've whatever people have read me or listened to this, I don't. I don't agree with David Vantapool's defensive theory, just in general. But I think David Vantapool is the guy who could change that in all three of them. I think his interpersonal ability to communicate with all three of them, to get them to understand that value, that that value is there. And that will make the difference. And I think, and he has a track record for that. Right. Do you want, De- De- hey, D'Angelo, do, do you want to be Damian Lillard? Right. And, and Damian Lillard would tell you, man, that, that's, that's what it was. 
was Vanderpool convincing him this is important. And there's a reason why Damian Lillard was so upset by the fact that just as a dude and a player that David Vanterpool left because yep. he knows that there is no Damian Lillard today without David Vanterpool. For sure. And, and the influence that they had to, to take that, that he had to take that team from, there's just a bunch of good like open gym offensive talents that, that don't play defense. How can we buy in to make them more complete basketball players to create more of a winning yep. culture in Portland? And I think, and like, sure, you can look at the fact that like, They'd been successful with Brandon Roy and the Marcus Aldridge and, and people like that. But, like, you, this is the new wave. Like, this is what you guys have the opportunity to make this your own. What are you going to do about it? How are we going to get there? I'm going to help you. I'm going to show you the tools that you can empower you to get there. But we're not going anywhere if, if you don't work with me on this. And, and, and I think, that, and and I think a he has a little point. bit of a track record here, too. He did it with Wiggins some, to, to a degree this year. Absolutely. That was his individual coach. And, right. I mean, just – from the lens that I had, you know, seeing them work together, I mean, it was it was a change. I watched Andrew Wiggins work with his. And you saw previous. the light bulb. Yeah, and I'm dimly lit, but it was on uh, for yeah. the first time. <laughs> like, I, right. but seriously, I mean, I, 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 I wrote very positively about Andrew Wiggins this year and was impressed by that. And I think David Vanderpool deserves a lot of credit for that. And it will, it's gonna be a hell of a task, but it needs to happen with all three of them, and. If, if this were to happen, or even if it doesn't, just call it D'Lo and Cat. I'm fascinated to see David Vantable work on that with them this year. From an individual standpoint? From an individual standpoint. And particularly Cat, right? Because I think it's uh, just the nature of the position that's the most important. And Especially in player. his defense when you're funneling guys yeah, to, to the rim, Cat. to Cat, and say, you got to stop this. It's, I mean... Booker or no Booker, it's it's uh, everybody knows this. It's the defense that that's what it will be. But the defense isn't as simple as defensive RPM or or this or efficient. You know their right. overall it's, defensive it's rating. It's so hard to measure, and and it's all about how how it works on the floor, night in and night out. And to the Toronto point, when <laughs> when it's not cutting time, like where's your head at then? Right, because the good teams, like. Toronto has the like the best clutch whatever ratings in the league. There's a reason behind that. They don't, they don't just turn it on in clutch situations. Yeah. They practice it and they and they and they show you. This they is understand what we're doing. the value in it. Correct. Yeah, and, and not just the value of doing it when it matters. The value of doing it continually throughout the whole entire season. Because I mean, if, if you do anything, like it's harder to just flip a switch and, and turn it on. You know when it, you know when it's going to matter the most. I mean, you, you build up to that to make it easier for yourself to succeed in those moments, obviously, just by doing it over, doing it over time. And I think it, it's, it's just going to be hard if, if the one, if, if like that's Siakam situation that you brought up, like if that's, what's going to bring the fire out in you to want to want to make that happen. Because if, if, if there's not enough of those situations that happen throughout the season that are going to bring that out of you. It's just, it's not going to work and, and you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to get any better defensively and you're not going to be able to stop those things from happening. And you're going to be able to go win those games on the road, a huge game. Um, and it's just, it's, it's really interesting exercise to, to think about it out loud when, you know, you're not just have cat, you don't just have cat and deal, but you're bringing a third guy in who's kind of in that a similar mindset. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I think that, 
you know, coaching so often gets overlooked when you just look at rosters. Yeah. Because you see time and again, like a, a roster like Portland. Portland went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Dallas has the number one offense in the NBA. Like you would look at those rosters from last year or this year, and you would probably say, like, I, if, I if you were said before the fact, well, I, I, well like yeah. if you would have, if you no, 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 I'm saying I, I would, I don't think I picked Dallas to make the playoffs. I sure as hell didn't think Portland would be as good as they were the year. Yeah, before. but just based but on that's because the roster, un, it's me underrating coaching. Yeah, it's yeah. get it's having guys in the building that every day build relationships that can get the most out of their guys, not just to get up for a national TV game, mm-hmm. you know, a division game against like Portland or Denver, but like to go get up in in any game and improve the whole entire season that this is what you're going to do and then when it comes playoff time and they're going to do more things like that they're going to match up hunt they're going to get really specific they're trying they're going to try and throw lineups at you that you don't play with. take advantage of you right like yeah. they're going to throw two big lineups at you and say i know that we can do a two big lineup better than you can do your five out or your mm-hmm. four non-bigs and one big like it's all that stuff matters in the grand scheme of things, it matters, but it matters more than you'd think doing it throughout the whole entire year so it's much easier for you to, to build more of a, a sustainable, successful model that works in the playoffs because at the end of the day, that's what goal. we're all here for. We're yeah. all here for, like, right. yeah, sure, as a fan, I would be over the moon if the Timberwolves just, like, were a five or six seed every year with Cat and D'Lo and was, like... Just in the playoffs every year. Maybe one like one playoff series every other year. Like as a fan, that would be great for me. I would I would accept that just because of the past that we've had and how I've grown up with. But the goal should be more than that. Exactly. And you've got to build a team to ultimately reach that highest pinnacle of of going out and winning a title. And and uh and and you gotta make and like you said, like you gotta make, you know, the big nuts bet that like I bring all three of these guys here, they're going to take me where I need this team to go. Because and if it takes you to a six seed and you got all three of those guys, that's not – you're still fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it, it's something that, that's just that's just really interesting to think about. For and, sure. And no. something that, something that I, as a fan, I kind of hope it happens just because I, I would be really curious to see how, how that plays out, how yeah. everything we've talked about plays out from a psychological standpoint, from a coaching standpoint um, – just from somebody that would that would be able to see that every day and, and, yeah. and talk about that, I'd be fascinated to consume that content. Um, no, that's a good point. But, but obviously, like, you know, everybody everybody will argue until the cows come home about whether they should do it, whether it's whether it's a good idea or not. But but, hey, but man, just think in, about in it from the that middle of July. Awesome. In the middle of July, oh, I'm, it's, a, uh, it's a it's a fun it's right. a fun conversation. Your article got me to consider it, and and I'm glad I'm glad we did this and actually ran through. The thought exercise because it's a loaded thought exercise as we've <laughs> right. done an hour yeah. on it. Yeah. Like from a from a trade standpoint, from a feasibility uh, or not feasibility effectiveness standpoint offensively, and then what can you what can you take out of them defensively? I mean, it's it, it would be fascinating, and I think whether it's Booker or someone else along the way, it's it's gonna it's gonna happen. Yeah, and and I'm and as again speaking from a fan lens, I want to make sure that's like I'm I'm no expert on this. Speak coming from a from a fan's perspective, I'm very grateful that in Minnesota we have the the kind of you know structure and infrastructure in place that the the manpower in place in the front office to a point where yeah, cool. if this becomes possible, <laughs> and 
Devin Booker really makes it known that he wants to be here. I am very grateful that we have the pieces in place in our in our front office that to cast that net I was talking to, about exactly to, yeah. to to kind of sow the seeds and 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 get mm-hmm. out there like you've already seen it with the with the four team deal and twelve what was it twelve players too many <laughs> whatever whatever it was in February like yeah. the fact that they're able to pull that off gives me confidence that that when that really big fish comes and in this case it could be Booker that. Like, like we talked about, is a really complex deal that because they've already done it once, obviously not for Devin Booker, but they've they pulled off a complicated deal once that they would be able to even make it happen so we could see all the things that we've that we've drawn out here. I don't I don't think it's a complete pipe dream. I think you're right. I think they have the net already cast and and they'll be there if somebody falls through the cracks and, you know, we'll jump on it on the time if it comes. Um, that's Jack Borman. Uh, at J.R. Borman 13 on Twitter. Uh, we'll read his article. It's at com. Again, I just think, obviously, for people who you know, don't have League Pass or haven't watched a lot of Phoenix, it's, it's a really good representation of who um, and what Devin Booker is and how that would fit uh, in Minnesota. And I think that's, that, that context is pretty important, right? <laughs> Whether or not um, you know, the deal the deal is going to happen. I, I do want to say I kind of pushed the mailbag pod because half of your questions were about Devin Booker anyways. So <laughs> um, if you have any specific, um, if you have any like NBA draft specific Wolves questions, I'll be doing that pod uh, next week again with, with Will DeBerg. So send those my way. Um, you can find all you DM me on Twitter or email me through Twitter. Um, my email's on there and we'll, we'll get into that next week. Thank you, Jack, for doing this. This was cool. I think, I, I would like to think for Wolves fans in a very dry summer, right? The driest yeah, summer, long ever. summer. It's a the long driest time. summer ever. That this and is. Uh, I, I think people get a kick out of this. So. Yeah, yeah, and especially with you know the the 15 games we got and how excited everybody gets, and now there's kind of not having that excitement and something to to just get people excited about what, whether you think it's a good fit or a bad fit. Just getting excited about the prospect of a star player potentially wanting to come play for the Timberwolves to join two other star players is just. A lot of fun. No, and and in Minnesota, we we very rarely (laughs) can can think about those things. So thanks again. Uh, That's Jack. I'm Dane. I'm at Dane Moore NBA. Till next week. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.